if you're under 50, think of two things that you are looking forward to about reaching your senior years. And then maybe you could share them with those that are near you or jot them down. But if you're over 50 this morning, recall two things you loved about your youth. Then share them with those that are near you and maybe jot them down. We live in an age and culture that idolises youthfulness. While many older people report feeling marginalised and abandoned, and yet both youth and old age are part of the walk of humanity, each with their particular pitfalls and their opportunities. And as we conclude our series in Ecclesiastes, we hear Solomon reflecting on the the phenomenon of ageing. And we must listen carefully to his conclusions. Let's be honest. It's easy to come to the conclusion that Solomon is little more than a grumpy old man yelling at people to get off his grass. He spent most of this book reflecting on his life, on his pursuit of pleasure and meaning, and on more than 40 occasions he's declared that it's, it's all meaningless, it's futile, it's hevel. We could be forgiven if we assume that Solomon doesn't think that life is worth living, that we should just give up and give in to fatalism. But last week, we discovered that Solomon doesn't come to that conclusion. Instead, Solomon concludes at the end of all of his reflections that life is worth living, but that it's living and worth living in a particular way. We're going to have a look at the final part of chapter 11 and chapter 12 this morning. I've broken up into three categories, three things that I think Solomon wants us to consider as he finishes off this book. Here's the first. Enjoy life. Solomon says, enjoy life. And he does it in two ways into two different audiences to begin with. So first he gives a nod to the seniors. Ecclesiastes 11, verses 7 and 8. Read along with me. Light is sweet, and it is pleasing for the eyes to see the sun. Indeed, if someone lives many years, let him rejoice in them all, and let him remember the days of darkness, since they will be many. All that comes is futile. I feel like the older I get, the more cynical I'm becoming. I wonder if anybody else has experienced that. Maybe it's just me. But that is one of the dangers, I think, of getting older. I mean, we've, we've seen it all, right? We've seen the scams and the, the letdowns. We've seen the liars, the 
disappointments. We've seen the hurtful and the heartache. And, and we learn to guard our hearts by building an impenetrable wall of cynicism. But Solomon points us to a, a better way, a different way. And he says, light is sweet. In other words, it's good to be alive. After all the meaninglessness, all the futility, Solomon says that older folk need to guard against hard-heartedness and live with a, a grateful enjoyment of each day. Rather than the looming shadow of death being some type of evil to fear, driving us into seclusion, Solomon says that the reality of our impending death should liberate us to enjoy the days that we're given. He says, don't let old age stop you from enjoying life. So he gives a nod to the seniors, but now he's going to give out a shout out to the young ones. Read with me from chapter 11, verses 9 and 10. Rejoice, young person, while you are young, and let your heart be glad in the days of your youth, and walk in the ways of your heart and the desires of your eyes, but know that for all these things, God will bring you to judgment. Remove sorrow from your heart, and put away pain from your flesh, because youth and the prime of life are fleeting. I had a fantastic childhood, really. I loved it. Even my teenage years, as awkward as I was in them, they were filled with adventure and fun, at least in my memory. But I do remember that something plagued me through my youth. And I think it actually plagues a lot of young ones. It's it's the burning desire to grow up faster. I thought that I'd have fewer restrictions when I got older, more freedoms, therefore more fun. I spent too much time dreaming about what I might do one day rather than focusing and living in the enjoyment of what I could do right now. But Solomon says, enjoy being young. He says, because soon your youth will be gone. Maybe the only people we ought to be telling to grow up are adults who still act like children. And there are a few of those around. That is a problem. Otherwise, let's stop expecting kids to be adults. Let children do childish things. Let teenagers be teenagers. Let's stop placing the heavy mantle of adulthood on shoulders that are still growing. Solomon says, listen, the time to be young is when you're young. Enjoy it. Now, 
maybe there are a few teenagers who are nodding or rolling their eyes towards their parents and thinking, yeah, come on, Chris, preach it. Well, before your cheers drown me out, let me add Solomon's word of warning. You see, it's a universal law that every action carries with it a consequence. So sure, if you're young, in Solomon's words, walk in the ways of your heart and in the desires of your eyes. Sounds good, doesn't it? But he adds, but know that for all these things, God will bring you to judgment. This means that you should enjoy being young but that your youth doesn't excuse you from facing God's judgment. Have fun. Chase your dreams. It's a great age to do it. But remember, every choice carries a consequence. Some of those you will face immediately. Some of them could carry consequences for the rest of your life and many for even the life that comes. But Solomon says, listen, if you're young, enjoy your youth because it doesn't last forever. And this is where all the adults and the older ones think, amen. But after he says, enjoy your life, Solomon moves on to tell us, I think, how. What should we do with the life that we are to enjoy? Well, he says, this is my second point, turn to God while you still can. So whether you're young, with all the anticipations of life stretched out in front of you, or or maybe you're old, with the, the masterful tapestry of your life almost complete, The reality is that all of us, all our days, will eventually come to an end. And while Solomon has bemoaned the utter meaninglessness of death, which comes to all, right, regardless of your station of life, whether you're rich or poor, whether you're wise or a fool, Solomon says, Solomon begs us to do something in our life, while we still can. He wants us to do at least one thing before we each face the final shroud of death. Read with me from chapter 12 and verse 1. So remember your Creator in the days of your youth, before the days of adversity come and the years approach when you will say, I have no delight in them. Before the sun and the light are darkened, and the moon and the stars and the clouds return after the rain, on the day when the guardians of the house tremble and the strong men stoop, the women who grind grain cease because they are few, and the ones who watch through the windows see dimly, the doors of the street are shut while the sound of the mill fades when one rises at the sound of a bird and all the daughters of song grow faint. Also, they are afraid of heights and dangers on the road. The almond tree blossoms, 
the grasshopper loses its spring, and the caperberry has no effect, for the mere mortal is headed to his eternal home, and mourners will walk around in the street before the silver cord is snapped, and the gold bowl is broken, and the jar is shattered at the spring, and the wheel is broken into the well, and the dust returns to the earth as it once was, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. These seven verses only hold one command. It's found in the first verse. One exhortation to do something. All the rest, well, they build a a comprehensive story of aging and death. A story which is filled with poetic images that are each strangely beautiful in their own sense and each a piece of a puzzle to meditate on. We don't have time to take each image and meditate on it and consider it one by one. But together, I think you'll see that they fit together to give us an unmistakable image of the, well, the fleeting nature of youth and of dwindling strength and the final resting of life as our spirit returns to the one who gave it. I think Jesus gives us a helpful picture of this in a parable that he told. So in Luke chapter 12 in the New Testament, in verse 16, we can pick it up. I'll read it to you. It says this. Then he told them a parable. A rich man's land was very productive. He thought to himself, what should I do since I don't have anywhere to store my crops? I will do this, he said. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones and store all my grain and my goods there. Then I'll say to myself, you have many goods stored up for many years. Take it easy. Eat, drink and enjoy yourself. But God said, you fool, this very night your life is demanded of you and the things you have prepared Whose will they be? That's how it is with the one who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Now, Jesus was telling this story, responding to those who were greedily pursuing wealth and foolishly thinking that they will find satisfaction in it. Sounds a bit like what Solomon's been talking about, doesn't it? But the way Jesus strips away our misplaced confidence is by demonstrating the uncertainty of life. I mean, none of us know, do we, the date that will be inscribed on our tombstone marking the conclusion of a life. So what does Solomon conclude is wisdom in the face of ageing and death? He says, turn to God while you still can. One day, well, one day our opportunity will have passed. Leads us to our final consideration. If we are to turn to God, 
while we still can in this life, how should we do it? Should we seek to live life the best we can, hoping to tip some cosmic scale in our favour? Or should we simply seek to be spiritual, hoping that our our existential awareness will be enough to cover our basis regardless of who it is that we meet on the other side. Maybe we should go on some type of spiritual journey, sampling as many roads as possible, because after all, don't all roads lead to the same place? Solomon says no. The Bible is explicitly clear that there is only one way that we can turn to God to find both forgiveness and wholeness. That way is only found in and through Jesus. That's my final point. We turn to God, but more particularly, we turn to Jesus who is our mediating saviour. You see, even Solomon, as he pens the words of Ecclesiastes thousands of years before Jesus' birth, he, he admits, yes, the futility of life, but he still points us towards a coming saviour, the one shepherd, he calls him, who brings meaning to the madness of life. Read with me from chapter 12, verses 8 to the end of the chapter. Absolute futility, says the teacher. Everything is futile. In addition to the teacher being a wise man, he constantly taught the people knowledge. He weighed, explored, and arranged many proverbs. The teacher sought to find delightful sayings and write words of truth accurately. The sayings of the wise are like cattle prods, and those from masters of collections are like firmly embedded nails. The sayings are given by the one shepherd. But beyond these, my son, be warned. There is no end to the making of many books, and much study wearies the body. When all has been heard, and the conclusion of the matter is this, fear God and keep his commands, because this is for all humanity. For God will bring every act to judgment, including every hidden thing, whether good or evil. We have a shepherd who has left the safety of the fold to search for us, the wanderers. We have a shepherd who has willingly laid down his life for the sheep, the spotless for the defiled. We have a shepherd who stands in the gap to defend his flock, even though the wolves tear at him. We have a shepherd 
who watches over us, leads us to still waters, tends to our needs, and does not abandon us in treacherous valleys. We have a shepherd who took our sin and shame and carried them to the place of execution and died in our place. We have a shepherd who not only took our place but has freely given us his right standing with God. Sheep who were outsiders and outcasts. We have a shepherd and his name is Jesus. Maybe you're old and tired of this empty life. Find your satisfaction in Jesus the shepherd. Maybe you're young, pursuing life as Solomon did. and Then listen well to the wisdom of his teaching. Enjoy the gift of life that God grants you. But don't elevate the gifts above the giver. Make the goal of all your pursuits Jesus. Because when all has been heard, the conclusion of the matter is this. Fear God and keep his commands. Because this is for all humanity. And what is his command? Come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke and learn from me because I am lowly and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light.